0: Thursday, August 17th, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. This is an interesting one. Typically, Thursdays, you got a little Butters, you got a little EY from SoFi. Neither today. So Carter Braxton Worth will be joining us. That's what Carter does. He fills in. He's like Johnny on the spot. Don't know who that is, but he is that person. Today's Market Call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Of course, SoFi, Dan, get your money right all in one app. Butters is away. EY is away. But Carter's here. You're here. I'm here. You know what else is here? The bond market is here in spades.
1: Well, You've been saying that for a while, that that's the main event here. Just by the way, before we get to Carter, Carter got a really nice shout out on Mm. a very special edition of On The Tape podcast that dropped today in the podcast stores. We called it friends of the pod sure. we had karen Feinerman, mm-hmm, who is mm-hmm. our co-panelist on cbc's fast money we had joe marchese and we had Stuart sop okay on with us but we were talking to karen about her process right and i think a lot of viewers know that she is a value-oriented longer-term investor sort of thing but we asked her specifically about charts and she said something like you know i never used to think they were a thing and then they became a thing for me and we we're like how did that come about and she said one word carter braxton word yeah that's what well that's three words yeah but she but said I mean, said Carter, which
0: I think it's kind of cool. And she used to think, you know, it was sort of voodoo. What is this stuff? And but I think she's understood that they work. The reasons why almost don't matter. I mean, technicals work. And when married with fundamentals, which she does, I think it becomes very powerful. So the fact that you can teach, I'm not suggesting she's an old dog, but you can teach somebody that's been in the business new tricks. Yep. That's why we're here. You know, you should constantly be trying to learn, and the market does that for you. I
1: thought that was really, really Mm -hmm. interesting. And and again, you know, what I think is so fascinating about technicals, and I actually started. I learned about technicals before I learned about fundamentals when I started the business. To me, it was just like a really important input. And then when I just started getting in the options market, you think about picking a strike, okay, a a price, right, and and a point in time. You need some reference points to do that sort of thing. So technicals were really important there. So shout out CBW. We'll see in a couple minutes. Sorry. Guy, you were talking about bonds. You were talking about the bond market here. We've been talking about this 10-year treasury. We talked about it yesterday. We talked about it on Tuesday. You've been talking about the volatility in the bond market for now two years or so. And even every time you've gotten your antennas up about the volatility and the the move that we've had up or lower, you've often said that we're likely to see it seep into other risk asset classes. Are we on the precipice of doing that as it relates to equities in Europe?
0: Yeah, I I think so. And I, I think part of the problem Problem Now is it's not just a U.S. bond story. Now it's sort of a global bond story and things. I don't want it. Well, I mean, I I will say it. It feels like things are starting to unravel a bit. And I do think it's just a matter of time before it makes its way into not only our equity market, but probably global equities as well. And, you know, I looked at it earlier today. You can make an argument and, you know, Carter's probably looked at this. We have broken out of what has been a 40 something year downtrend for yields. I mean, yields have been upper left, lower right for literally the left since I started in the business pretty much. And now seemingly we've broken to the upside. Now, I don't want to make too much out of it yet because we've seen false breakouts in a number of different things over time. This one feels a little bit different. So, you know, talking about yields, the fact that now we're through four and a quarter in the 10 year in a pretty meaningful way through the levels we saw in October. I think we all remember what happened in the equity market in October. I think people should start to take notice. And quite frankly, I think people are starting to take notice. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, one of the things I'll say a couple of weeks ago on on this uh, show, I mentioned that when the TLT, which is the iShares 20 year uh, treasury ETF, which basically tracks the 10 year uh, Mm -hmm. treasury yield or the inverse of it. You know, I took a shot. I bought some calls at the money, 97. So I was looking at September expiration. I paid, I think, you know, two and a quarter or something like that. And yesterday afternoon, when it just looked like it was clearly going to a level guy. When I detailed this trade idea, you said, if you're wrong right here, it's going back to those lows Mm -hmm. from last year, which was about 91. Well, it appears very close to be doing that. I cut my losses. One of the things I just want to make a really clear point about is like when you're doing a trade like that, it's short term. You're just kind of picking a spot here. You're kind of going against what I think is a counter trend sort of situation. You know, you want to define your risk, but you also don't want to see that call position in this case, go to zero. So I paid two and a quarter and I sold him at 110 Mm -hmm. and I had to cut my losses there. So that's that trade. Let's bring Carter Braxton worth in because we're going to take another look at yields. He was on with us on Tuesday. He had some things to say about that, but he also wants to take a look at a group and some single names in a really important group, a group that you've been all over guy. home builders, which have been extraordinary, they have been extraordinary, but they're kind of losing Mm -hmm. a little bit of that excitement with this yield move. So Carter, welcome back to the Thanks, guys.
2: Yeah. You know, just uh, all all the love to Karen, but also, you know, we all have a day when we come across something um, that um, we didn't like or didn't know that then we do. I mean, I remember as a child, I hated beats. (laughs) I like beats now. (laughs) Point being, guess what? Uh, I I started as a fundamental analyst doing uh, macro uh, and company-specific research, um, trying to work up three to five-year... Discounted cash flow models and predict prices for a company, and I was only after many years of that introduced to technicals. I was skeptical, but uh, for me it was eye-opening. And uh, look, to each his own. Uh, it's uh, it's an uh, important thing, and I, I guess my teacher mentor, I'll leave it here. He used to say just simply this: one either accepts or doesn't accept the concept that there's wisdom in price. Agree with That's that hundred
0: percent. Again, just to re- reemphasize the fact that Karen, again, who's been in this business a long time, was willing to embrace something that was mm-hmm. completely foreign to her and something she probably exactly. didn't have a lot of time for for a long period of time. I think that speaks volumes. So if Karen can learn, pretty much anybody can learn. Well, as well. it's
1: also funny that, you know the way in which she learned it wasn't about a bunch of brokerage houses bringing in their technical analysts to show her things in a boardroom. You know, the way that Carter, I know you've done thousands Mm -hmm. of those meetings over the years. Um, It was really sitting on the desk at fast money, talking about stocks, Mm -hmm. watching movements. We all make predictions about that sort of thing. It is pattern recognition. And I Mm -hmm. think what she recognized is that this guy Carter gets the pictures right, the price movements right, right, uh, like like more often than not. And we know in this game it is not about batting 900, no. right, It's uh, by any means. It's about getting more things right than you get wrong and then cutting your losses when you're wrong. So, all right, Carter, we talked a little bit about yields on Tuesday when you were last on with Guy and me. We have this little breakout here. Talk to us about – at the time, you said, listen, I don't think it's going to go up, I don't think, meaningfully above that yeah, prior yeah. high. What, what are your thoughts here? And I want to put it in the context of some of the movements we're seeing in risk or rate sensitive sectors in the stock market. Are you starting to de- develop any theses in and around a new high and what you're seeing maybe in certain sectors or individual names? Sure. So
2: just to be, not to be sort of too precise, but the actual all-time high, at least for this cycle was of course the 21st of November 2022 on 10 year yields and that was 4 spot 3354. Mm-hmm. We are right now at 4 spot 3137. We have not exceeded uh that that high and you've depicted it here on on that screen. Now, real 10 year yields have exceeded their October high. So, one could say, well why be so precise? Isn't it isn't it the concept? Because here's the thing. Let's say it go if a stock exceeds a former high, By 20 cents, an $80 stock. Is that a breakout? How about it exceeds it by a dollar, goes to 82, and then drops to 50? Was that a breakout? Meaning there are some rules to this, right? It's so just going above for a day, for an inch, doesn't count. A breakout is a move that definitively exceeds a former high or former highs, intermediate highs, and that it sticks its landing. It stays. Above those highs. Now you're not going to get a, an Nvidia type breakout, an vago type breakout mm-hmm. from yields. But there, are the, the general rule that I learned is you need to, you need to be sustainably above it after moving immediately above the former high. It's and they're all a lot of false breakouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that. That's what double tops. And so a double top. Let's say it's a double top. If it goes, if it goes to four six and then fails that's a double top mm-hmm. it's not a breakout meaning so it's all uh, to be determined but what is interesting here is that we continue to write um not sort of slip yields are going higher and real yields to be fair have made a new high what i, I i'm in the camp that this is and this is hardly a technical data point or a fundamental data point it all is almost so damn obvious <laughs> that it, 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 there is this prospect that it doesn't happen right and so um, you'll note today, interestingly, utilities are up, um, uh, among other things, which is perhaps the single most rate sensitive um, area of the market. We'll see. My hunch again, and let's leave it at this and look at some charts, is that we stay here, we make a slight high, we stay here, we ultimately go lower. That captures 90% of the odds. My 10% of the odds is that we make meaningfully new highs in yields. And that's not, again, Four, four, five, four, five, one, four, five, one versus a year ago, we were at four, three, five. Meaningful new is you got to press into the fives. You got to get into the low fives, five, two, five, and you got to stay there, not go up there for a couple of weeks and then crash back down. That doesn't seem like the high probability bet to me.
0: And it's been interesting to see what happens either side. You know, it's funny, you can make a case that if yields were to cascade lower here, it might not necessarily be good. Uh, for the equity market, because it might have actually been on the back of an equity market collapsing and a flight to quality in the bond market. Conversely, if yields continue to go higher here, it's probably not going to be particularly favorable. I want to throw something up real quick. If we can do this, is something called the TNX. It's a CBOE contract. But if we can go back to the all-time levels of this thing, even farther back than that, I mean, if you go back to the early 1980s, you'll sort of see what I'm looking at, if we can pull it up, it's not even long oh, enough. Oh, that
1: is that long-term downtrend. But there is the a lap, mm-hmm. bottom, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. And you'll start to really see it. And, you know, if you can continue. So there you go. I mean, you look at that and you can see it. Your eye can see the downtrend that's been in place. That's yields going lower. And finally, seemingly, we're starting to break to the upside. So that's what I'm looking at. Again, I'm not suggesting I'm right, but that's just one data point in a number of well events. so
1: guy i wonder um you know so we have this jackson hole this fed symposium next week and we know that you know there's not a fed meeting this month and the next one i think is september 20th and you know the odds of a, a cut are, are excuse me of a hike are not particularly high at the moment we know the fed funds is a five and a half percent my question to you guys do you think that there's a chance that we actually see this breakout kind of you know crescendo yeah. into that meeting a little bit and then maybe there's something said about you know the, the, the timing in which they think that they might you know be lowering or, or what they're comfortable with out in the inflation and all that sort of stuff? And might we see the falls break out? I'm just wondering if that's on your radar.
0: Yes. Here's the problem mm-hmm. that they face. Yields are going higher now because the market is demanding higher interest rates to buy the debt. I mean, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. So it's not necessarily the Fed's in control. Right. Now the market's in control. So people say, you know what? I'll buy your debt, but I'm not doing it for levels we saw six months ago. Yeah. This is what you have to pay me. I mean, the market is deciding the rates. So they can jawbone or try to jawbone rates lower. The same way, by the way, I think the Bank of Japan is trying to do the same. The market is basically calling bullshit on everybody right now. So the 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 rhetoric is going to be interesting. More interesting than that is how the market reacts. So yeah. that's what I'm focused on. I mean, they might think they control it, but I, I would submit,
1: that now what we're starting to see is they've actually lost control. So, Carter, really quickly before we go to some of these home builders, um, let's pull up this TLT chart that we have. Again, I just mentioned it. I'm kind of out of my trade, and, and a lot of you guys who'd like to see me as a contrarian indicator, maybe you're all in here. Um, but, but is this thing starting to get interesting to you? Again, because it's obviously inverse of what you're saying, is that the 90% like – Odds of, of what's going to happen here with yields encapsulates something that probably doesn't, um, you know, mean a parabolic move meaningfully higher. Correct?
2: Right. So again, when you uh, again here too, if, if this goes lower by a tick or a point or a half a point or two cents, so to speak, and then ricochets, is that a is that a breakdown? Meaning, it's time and price as as the as the story develops, but in principle. A move quickly to a former low, or in the case of yields, to a former high, before you exceed it, break out or breakdown, you typically contend with it, right? And so, on an approach, we're very close to that uh, low of uh, November. uh, You're not likely to just crash right through. You're likely to back and fill, back bump up a bit, Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you're going to break break after that sequencing. Um, So, again, my my contrarian uh, part of me wants to say. Look, here's the thing. I mean, it's like it's like energy. We talked about it. at 65, we're going to recession. Energy going to 40. It was the exact same consensus that at 130, Ukraine war, this could be 250 a barrel. Wall Street is inherently uh, lemming-like. We all are subject to it. I, as much as anyone, where you want to see the group as right, and group wisdom of crowds is very important in, unless and until it gets too extreme, and then it's really right to try to be contrarian and not with the group. Everyone thinks yields are going higher. Remember, seven, eight, nine weeks ago, recession, yields are going lower. We've just immediately flipped the whole narrative. Uh, We shall see.
0: It's interesting. So I'm reading the comments. Brian Harris makes a good point. There's a number of reasons why yields are going higher. Better growth. Okay. Atlanta GDP, earnings better than expected-ish. But this is really what it comes down to. Huge issuance being met with less demand. Hundred percent. That's sort of what I said. I mean, there's a lot of issuance out there. in order to get to demand, the market needs to pay the people seeking or looking to buy these things higher rates. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, other than the factors, the Fed and central banks are no longer buying. True. The Fed is no longer monetizing our debt. So there are a lot of things at work here. By the way, none of them particularly good, because again, you know, if the economy is still gonna sort of if the economy's seemingly doing better according to this. Fed doesn't want that. I mean, the Fed wants to slow things down. So rates are going higher, maybe 15% for the right reasons. I would submit the other 85% for the wrong reasons, Dan.
1: Uh, Fair enough. I, I am in that contrarian camp, too. So I'm going to be looking to re-enter the TLT trade. I think it's obviously a little bit de-risked down here. Um, so uh, I appreciate all that color. Um, Carter, walk us through some of the home builders that you're seeing. And this was one that on Tuesday, I don't know if you heard us when we were on. Danny Moses came into the studio and he's like, do I got a trade for you? Mm-hmm. This was the XHB. He was like buying near the money puts. I bought some at the money puts and September expiration. Um, we've seen two consecutive really nasty days and some of the bigger names here. Uh walk us through your charts. Tell us what you're seeing in some of these names.
2: Sure. So um, and in principle, one would think this, like utilities, is rate sensitive. And of course, uh, this area is, but it has not had any sensitivity to rates of late. And then you, of course, have a news or data point, whatever you want to call it, that Warren Buffett, right, has embraced the group. I don't remember which one, but it was revealed uh, about four or five sessions ago. And, and that is something that people follow. And rightly so, this is perhaps the most single... Uh, the successful individual ever to play the game. Um, And yet, that's not really a data point either, right? It's not fundamental, it's not technical, it's just a factoid. Um, And it might be, there's some irony that um, just because of that, it might be, not that Warren Buffett's ringing the top and calling a top and so forth by going long, because he has a longer term view. But home builders are stretched, have been stretched, uh, all know this. And now the question is, right, how much of a a normative, normal give back, check back, drawdown, decline, drop, sell off, correction is in store, right? And so uh, we're looking at the um, the ETF. Uh, we have some other charts, and we'll go through them. But I, I I would have to think that this minor dip so far is just the beginning. Um, you're going to see three identical charts for a bunch of names, and we'll go quickly because they're identical. So the first uh, of three iterations is. Putting in uh, a horizontal line, uh, annotating the former highs of 2021. So simply going back down to those tops, uh, something of uh, a level of support for NVR would be another two, three percent. Let's look at the next one, and we can toggle. Right, number one, number two, number one, number two. The next one is the uptrend line, and there they are together. And so mm-hmm. ultimately, I think we go to 6,000 on this, but lower than that because support again is not a that uh, uh, that. Uh, uh, horizontal line is not a concrete f- uh, floor or a plywood board; it's a mattress top. You can sink into support. So I think we're going to breach. We're happening now. The uptrend line in red. We're going to sink further into support. The flat um, line, the horizontal line, ultimately as low as the 150-day moving average. So let's try this on each one. Here we go. So now we've got Pulte. Same thing. The annotation showing the former high. Now let's look at the uptrend. Let's toggle one, two, one, two, let's put them together. And so ultimately, I think we breached the uptrend. Now that's a long way down to the 150-day moving average and to where support is. Uh, but uh, the, this is the strongest of all. So the, the the more you run up, the more give back you can. Uh, Essentially, I
0: said this to Dan the other day. I, th- I don't know if it was on Fast Money or one of the shows that it might be it, it might be really interesting that on the day that the 13 Fs came out, I think it was last Thursday or something, it, it announced that Buffett had bought these three home builders. And again, this is not casting aspersions, Warren Buffett, but that may have marked sort of a short-term, medium-term top in the entire space, and it looks as though that's happening now. Again, he's not in these for a trade. I think we've established that um, in terms of what he does. So he's obviously got a longer-term horizon, and quite frankly, the environment for home builders probably still is somewhat favorable. Stocks have run a lot, and now for the first time, this breakout. Again, seemingly this breakout in yields is creating some a bit of a problem. So remember, these things have sort of been lower left, upper right for quite some time. When it stops, it's going to be painful. And you saw glimpses of that in XHB, which, you know, that two point move to the downside is something we haven't seen in. More than a year probably.
1: Yeah. And right. Carter, I think it's a great point. You just brought up the XLU, the way it's acting. It's green today on the day that we're seeing mm-hmm. yields to that. And so sometimes it's really interesting to think about those sorts of relationships, right? And and how yes. they end up playing a little bit because the, the the these home builders that you you know highlight here, they could continue to go lower, even if the, the pace in which yields maybe they slow down going up, that sort of thing. And that's when people really start to think about the fundamentals, I think.
2: Yeah. And, and just something on note on Buffett, which is important to say this. Just before the real housing boom that peaked in 06, right, that run up of four, mm-hmm. five, six years, which was associated ultimately with the financial crisis and the crash of 09 because of the leverage in housing and all the uh, loan to values, oh, you can borrow 110%. That before the biggest housing boom of all time, Warren Buffett bought for himself Acme Brick, the biggest brick manufacturer in the United States, Shaw Carpet. The biggest carpet and uh, Benjamin Moore paint. Now, how this is genius! A man buys biggest brick, biggest paint, and biggest carpet before the biggest housing boom of all time. Okay, so we know who we're dealing with here. He, he is he is the best. And just because he's added or increased a uh, 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 position in homebu, has nothing to do with what we're talking about. This man has a uh, he can see where beyond the curvature of the globe clearly, where the rest of us cannot. Uh, oh, anyway, exactly. let's go back. Let's go back to the charts um, if we have any more. But uh, either way, uh, yeah, look at toll. We can move through these quickly because it's the same iteration. The, the former high annotated, the uptrend line annotated, toggle a bit, put them together. And what do we got? We have reference points. And that's what it's all about. Do we sink down at least to the um, to the former high? Sure. Do we breach the uptrend line? I would think so. Does it go all the way as far as the 150 moving average, which is not, again, at 67. It's moving quickly. It's, it'll be at 70 soon. But I think this is what one has to anticipate. So if one's long one of these, you write calls. Or you say, hey, I'm going to get out. I'm nimble. I'm going to try to put them back on. But just staying blindly long, uh, in principle, it's not good technique. Let's move on to the next one. And so so it goes. You'll see this for uh, DHI. Same thing. We've got our reference points. We have our, put them all together. We have our 150 moving average. And so if you consider what these percentage declines are, perspective percentage declines, it's lower going to 110 here from 118 is, you know, a a meaningful sell-off still from here. I think we've got one or two others just to make the point. Lenar, it's the same thing, right? Each one's a little bit different, but sort of the same. Let's put in the uptrend line, put them together. You're about to breach the uptrend line in this case, and you're almost already down to the support of the former high. So the 150-day seems very much in play. And then I think I've had it, uh, well, one more. Uh, sure, uh, let's do it. Same thing, same thing, same thing. And and so uh, what's important is, of course, the uniformity of the group, which makes sense. There, It's a commodity. You can bang nails into plywood and call it a roof or a door. It, it is what it is, right? Now, some people have better lots or better cost basis or better geography, but the group is very uniform. So let's end with the ITB which is the course, the ETF. And so what do we know? We know we're almost back to the highs from which it broke out Mm -hmm. the highs of December. We know we're right on the uptrend line or close. We put in the vertical line or not quite so lower. We put them all together. And I think it suggests what we're at 85. Now that one can anticipate 83, 81, 82, but lower from here.
0: It's interesting. All this, again, in my opinion, predicated on this this last little leg up in yields and the other thing that it has an impact on clearly the move higher had not impacted home builders until the last let's call it three or four trading days but something that's had pretty significant impact is the gold market and if we can pull up a gold chart because there are a lot of people commenting Um, now if we look at GLD you will see and if we can sort of extend that out Pretty textbook double tops. People say, look at this and say, there's absolutely no reason to be long this thing. What are you looking at that I'm not looking at? And I understand. I mean, technically, that looks awful. I mean, there's every reason to believe this thing's going to break down in a meaningful way. Gold's going lower because global yields have started to go higher. Historically, as yields go up, it hasn't been particularly good for gold. My assertion or sort of my premise about this entire thing is I get it. But there's going to be this sort of day of reckoning when the market realizes, wait a second, these central banks have really sort of mucked up the works and yields can go higher. And I think there's an environment where gold could actually go higher as well. So I understand it's been painful. I get it. It does not feel good right now. I would understand why you'd want to pull the ripcord and be a non-believer. But if the world is sort of shaking out the way I think it's shaking out, I think there's a place for the gold market, Dan. Yeah, this is a
1: tough one. I mean, you and Danny, I, the other day when Danny walked in, I said, "Up oh, the gold, it's just, it's it looks like it's at that level. It's about to fall out of bed here and and maybe it's what's going on with the dollar. Or maybe it's the, the moving yields of the story. It just doesn't act well. I know, Carter, you always uh, love to kind of highlight when when you hear a market participant kind of use that expression here and it had all the reasons to do so. So um, not it's not one for me here, um, but Carter, quick, quickly your take uh, on the technical setup. Sure.
2: Here. So the, the first the the whole concept is does gold do better in higher rates or lower rates? I mean, it's mixed. So the really the biggest bull thrust of all time, of course, 7980. Uh it's the peak in silver, Hunt Brothers cornered the market. And what were rates doing? <laughs> I mean, 10-year yields were spiking from 10 to almost 16%. So gold was going up when rates were surging, um, uh, inflation and so forth. So then you have the opposite, uh, there's a the view that gold does well, of course, if rates, because it's the cost of carry, rates go down, gold, uh, none of these are known. Uh, they're, they're, they're true until they're not true. What we do know is that gold's not acting well right now. Uh, and and uh, certainly recent judgment by me to buy gold, that's not working. Uh, my hunch still is to always have some, and that maybe sounds sort of like a throwaway comment, but you know, gold has over time served as a great hedge during equity market sell offs. So, uh, indeed, if and as there's more trouble uh, in the general equity market, uh, gold is likely to at least uh, do better than stock and stocks around the world.
0: Carter, it is a joy to have you this week. You did yeoman's work for us. We appreciate you coming in on this Thursday, historically meant for butters and EY. But you came in, and by the way, I'll say this you choose to, to fill. Good looking beard there as well
1: yeah. i mean that's some nice facial hair you got
2: yeah you know you gotta find that razor beauty of august in the summer right
1: well september 5th on a tuesday we expect to be uh finally shaving there buddy all right listen thank yeah. you so much carter we all really right appreciate it, man nice, um, nice. good good chat good chat right um all right guy let's talk about a name that's reporting tonight after the mm-hmm. close applied materials it's amat um and they uh basically make the machines that 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 uh you know, fabs buy to, basically make chips okay so this is a stock that is basically up in line with the smh guy about 42 percent of the year or something like that you can see um that was a nice consolidation we had in the spring you saw the breakout here seems like it's a bit of a rounding top ish or something like that this is not one of the more expensive names i would say in the space here we've heard some you know um some guidance out of some of the the foundry players that capex is okay right here you know if their supply constraint which a lot of these graphic chips makers are That means that they have to kind of, you know, bag more machines, get more fabs cranking and get more chips out. So you think that is good for applied materials. But that's one of the reasons why I think it makes perfect sense to really see how this stock reacts to the guidance that they give. I
0: agree with that. So if we could go longer term and take this chart back to sort of the fall of 2021, you'll see that AMAT probably made an all-time high either November or December of that year. There you go. So I'm pretty close. I think it was like 158 or thereabouts. And like everything else, you had this precipitous sell-off. I mean, it does, in a lot of ways, look like the SMH chart. To a certain extent, looks like a Microsoft chart as well, quite frankly. Difference being that this has not gotten to those prior levels. Here's what I think could happen, and I think the trade would set up extraordinarily well. They're going to say something I'm pretty sure that's going to be pretty constructive. And you could see this sort of gap higher in the name, which I think is going to create a real opportunity assuming that volatility or the, you know, the amount you pay for puts is not ridiculous to sort of get short the stock. So wait for them to say something, you know, you could have one of those gap islands higher tomorrow Mm -hmm. and that's going to be your shot to, again, put in this double top from December of 21 January of 22 and then look for the move to the downside. It's not an expensive stock. But the technicals should set up really well, not unlike
1: what we saw with the SMH and not unlike what we saw with Microsoft. It's funny. I'd be really surprised, Guy, if, it, if, it, if maybe it gets back to that kind of late July high or so if there is a, a decent report and a guide higher. But I think that would probably be the level. I'd be absolutely shocked if we were able to break out. It would take a meaningful beat and raise and mm-hmm. it would actually be the sort of guidance that would, I think, you know, kind of fly in the face of some of the things that we heard from Qualcomm, from Texas Instruments, from Taiwan Semi, despite, again, I just said this, that the CapEx stuff seemed okay here. So to me, I go back and I look at that steep uptrend that's been in place, right, from those lows here, and we're kind of on it a little bit. You we know are totally I mean? on and it. And yep. the implied move in the options market is about 4% in either direction. And if it's 4% lower, you're through that. You're through and, that and, up. Trend. And yep. we've been talking all week or for the last two weeks since Microsoft's broken that uptrend. Uh, Apple's broken that uptrend. There's some semi-names. So I think the technicals are starting to deteriorate in some of these very much-loved um, games names. Guy, let's look at the s SM- on a second. Yeah. I saw
0: EY on CNBC yesterday, William Jameson. Is that right?
1: Maybe. But maybe she did it remote.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to investigate that. We'll talk to her next week. Anyway, please continue.
1: Yeah. Um. S&P let's look yeah. at that let's look at it because we started this conversation talking about the yields and, and the focus that you've had on there and the potential for the volatility and yields to spill over to the equity market. You know, we're kind of almost there. We're almost at that level. Mm-hmm. We've been highlighting that 4350 breakout level guy. it it, it feels like it's going to be a moment of truth. Now, let me ask you this. We have not seen a more than 2% down day. I don't think we've seen greater than a 1.5% move in either direction in a very long time. This has been a fairly orderly sell-off right after what was, I think, a very orderly breakout Mm -hmm. sort of move from that. Forty-three, fifty level. So we're at a point though where it feels like things are pretty complacent. Might we see a big gap, man? And and does it happen on August twenty fourth, one way or another? The day after the Nvidia. That's right.
0: I mean, Nvidia. The twenty third of August is what everybody seems to be having have a bullseye on. But I mean, it could do without Nvidia. Nvidia might be a complete just non-event. I don't think that's going to happen. But regardless, I think the things that have been set in motion. All the things we spent the last you know twenty eight minutes talking about there's really, there's going to be no way to sort of stem that tide. And I do think it's finding its way into the equity market. And again, if you start to see dollar yen break down in a meaningful way, in other words, the dollar to continue to go higher against yen, I should say yen break down in a meaningful way. If you continue to see a weakness in the Chinese you want which you've been seeing, and you continue to see interest rates sort of grind higher and this re steepening of the yield curve, but a bearish re steepening of the yield curve, none of that is particularly good. So all this China news we talk about, not particularly good. So there's a lot to be concerned about out there. And I do think it's finally making its way in. So 43.50, I think we're at 4,400, if I'm looking at it correctly right yeah. now. 50 handles happens in a heartbeat here. Yeah, I do think, again, I think it's a, an inevitability that we test it. That's not saying a lot. But the real, the real story is going to be if we break down what's the first support level and quite frankly the first support level is going to come in the way of that moving average which Think is about 4150 or so.
1: Right. Let's look at the Nasdaq 100 really quickly, the NDX, because this is one that is going to be the main event, right? And if we know that you know those top seven names make up 25% of the weight of the S&P 500, they also make up about 50% of the weight of the Nasdaq 100. And again, like we just said, Microsoft and Apple have broken those uptrends that look not too different than this NDX chart, right? So if we lose a couple of Tesla, also broken down. Um, I do think it's notable on a day like today, guy, where we're seeing some weakness in some mega cap Mm -hmm. tech that. Amazon and Google are trading really well. Those were two companies that put up big quarters and good beats, and the stocks were up a lot the next day. So there is some dispersion here. But look at this thing, it's almost to that uptrend. Okay. And if you look at that 200 day moving average, guy looks so lonely down there oh, yeah. at about 13,000. That's about 12% lower than current levels. And I know. Like it would be, what would have to happen to have this index down there? A lot of bad stuff would have to happen. And I'm not saying that's the case, but 13,500, where it broke out just a few months ago, seems like it could make some sense here. hundred percent. What's going to take it there is, you know, Apple, which
0: stopped at that prior all-time high, 178 has not traded well. That's now below it. Seemingly 161 is in the cards, the level we talked about, level that we highlighted on a trade yesterday. So that's one. Microsoft, since earnings has not traded particularly well, that could happen. Well, and obviously going back to NVIDIA, you know, if you see a disaster out of NVIDIA and we might as well put up an NVIDIA chart, you know, 350 in NVIDIA just on technical basis and just sort of levels, it's not a ridiculous thought. And by the way, forgetting about the Tesla's continues to sort of move from the upper left to the lower right. It's funny, you know, Tesla had that move from one hundred and three to three hundred ish. That was a historic move, but the stock is probably still forty-five percent off its all-time high. <clears throat> excuse me, from the fall of December of twenty twenty-one. That's breaking, seemingly breaking down. So all those things could absolutely can continue to contribute to that weakness. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I think that our,
1: our viewers know where I stand on this. Yeah. And you've, you been, what, and you've been and you've been right. Well, you know what's funny? Like, like I was really wrong. Uh, like like on price when the fundamentals were getting worse this Mm -hmm. spring i mean that that's the hard part about trading a cult stock like this but looking at this chart right now that is a very well-defined series of lower highs and lower lows and so i'm expecting this thing to be below 200 the not so distant future guy i gotta give you a a, a shout out on this one and it actually kind of makes me think a little bit of what you just had to say about gold because you said this about crude about a month and a half ago you said that i Know it acts bad i know it looks bad technically but i think there's a, a couple of things coming together here and why this thing might run and that was from the mid to high 60s to the low 80s and i want to bring up the the um uh the large integrated oils look at them today look at the move that exxon yeah. and chevron are having and we can look at the xle you were all over the oih so that was the oil services and the drillers here and it had that move and you actually pulled the plug on it when you thought it got to a technical level here and you thought people were getting a little too excited. Let's talk about the XLE really quickly here and Chevron and Exxon. Why are they trading the way they are today? Because
0: Um, I think it's just people look for places they can be, they can wrap their head around in terms of valuation. And as you're seeing, the energy stocks pulled back, not surprisingly, at the same time, everybody got infatuated with these high valuation, mm -hmm. high growth tech names. So they rotated out of energy probably in the spring and they got into all the high flyers. That was probably the right thing to do. Now it's think it's reversing itself. So number one, I think you're seeing a rotation out of those names into energy. And number two, you can still make a really compelling case for these names on valuation. So in an environment where valuation is starting to matter again, I think people can find it in energy stocks. So yes, I do think energy can continue to go higher. And I understand what's going on in China. I totally get it. But we're still at sort of pre-COVID levels in terms of demand, and the supply just isn't there. And by the way, I think the Saudis sort of want to ram it up their ass. And quite frankly, I mean, I hate to say it, but they have every right to, given some of the things that we've done. So that's what you got going on right now. I think the commodity, even if we went sideways from here, these stocks would go higher.
1: Yeah. Now, the XLE, you know, looks like it's setting up Pretty decently here, you know what I mean. So I, I agree with that. I, I feel like I'd rather buy the XLE than buy crude at this point, but that's just uh my two cents. There, all right. We covered a lot of ground here, guy. Now a lot
0: of ground. One third. So thirty-seven minutes. We went a little over, but yeah. hey, you know. Sorry, no butters today. He'll no is butters. he back next week? I hope so. He should be back. I mean, where I the hell's so butters? He,
1: he's, he's probably at the Patriots' training camp or something like that. No, he
0: goes like Michigan. He's one of these guys no. that goes like Michigan, he likes to go up in the woods, like near the, the lakes, lakes and yeah, stuff. Yeah. He's just like a that's lake. Like the, well,
1: that's kind of like EY too, because they got a lot, lot of lakes. EY up apparently he, is he, not
0: away though, because as I've on the all platform. these comments, they so were yeah. not. I mean, maybe she did it remotely, but you know, Fair I don't know. Enough. We're clearly we know. I know what side her bread is buttered on, and it's not this side. We'll talk <laughs> to her next week. But that's it for market call. I want to thank at Financial Data and Analytics. Powered by Tomorrow, Sofi. Get your money right, all in one app. Thank you, Carter Braxton Worth. Um, thank you, Dan. Thank the audience. So were some very thoughtful comments. Yep. Unless something crazy happens tomorrow, which I don't anticipate, you will see us again on Monday. Later, folks. Later, thanks. <laughs>